Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. How's it going? Not bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. David? <laughs> yeah. I want to go, I want to take, I want you to take a trip with me down memory lane, all right, to when we were in school together, the year, two th- the school year 2001-2002. In Chicago. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. Our first year living together. We hated each other. We did indeed. Very much so. And we, uh, to pass the time, we... Uh, and to not talk to one another. We did not, w- no, we d- certainly not. We watched VH1. <laughs> we watched uh, E! True Hollywood Story. And then the day that we found out that we got Comedy Central without paying for it was very exciting. And so we watched, uh, you know, Beat the Geeks. And uh, what was the one with Chris Wilde? Oh, I can't remember the name of the show. But was it just like the Chris Wilde show? Maybe, maybe. With his sidekick, uh, 40? Uh, 40, that's right, yes. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but we also watched a lot of uh, Comedy Central Presents. And that's mm-hmm. when we discovered a lot of our favorite comedians. Uh, chief, uh, chief among them at the time, certainly. Uh, to the point that we actually recorded his yeah. Comedy Central special. Yeah. You had uh, seen it before I had. I think I was out yeah. that night yeah. drinking or whatever. It's, yeah. Because I was newly free, and you know, right. on my own. And you told me about it. You were like, you got to see this guy. Yeah. And uh, and you enjoyed it. And, oh, uh, yes. And I, I played it for several friends because uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's very exciting. He, years later... He's here with us now. It's Sean Cullen. Sean, how you doing? Hello. It's great to be here. I'm glad someone taped that. <laughs> I don't have a copy of it, so I hope it was good. They made me a giant monkey for that show. Oh, I remember. They sure did. I, it was like a Buddha-like statue that uh, my sto- show started with me held gently in the embrace of the monkey. I was <laughs> sitting in his curved right. arm. It was the greatest thing ever. And they said, do you want to keep the monkey? And I said, do I want to keep the monkey? <laughs> yes, of course I do. And uh, they stored it for a while somewhere in New Jersey. And uh, it was shot in, tri- no, where was it? In uh, At the Hudson Theater in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted that monkey, but uh, I couldn't afford to bring it across the border so yeah, that eventually very, it was destroyed and oh, eaten, that's unfortunate. eaten by well, other they, monkeys. <laughs> maybe they could have cut off the head Well, you could have carried that around At least that, but I have the memory that I carry around with There's me. There's that as well, yes, mm-hmm. I guess. That's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, did you ask for that? Did you ask for the monkey? Or did well, they, just they said, what would you like as your set? Because everybody had a set. Right. And I was like, well, could you make a giant uh, monkey for me <laughs> and to sit in? And I said, yes. And I was like, yeah. Because I think, you know, when you have set designers, uh, you all, they really want something fun. Like, they, no, I don't want a black backdrop with stars on it. You know, something like that, or little yeah. tinkly tinsel curtains. But you know, you always give them something fun to do, and they'll they'll like you for that reason. Well, it's I mean, it's kind of a you know, you it, you can wield some power for the oh, first for sure. time. It's maybe not the first time, but it's just like this person will do whatever I want. They will make any set I want. Yeah, giant monkey. What do you think? That's yes. It. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful thing. And I, that was a really fun time. I think it was the first time I ever did uh, an extended appearance on American TV. Hmm. I'd done the Mad TV with the Juice Pigs right. and uh, a few <laughs> other things before that. But that was uh, a half-hour special. It was very exciting. Yeah. Well, um, talk about, about Corky and the Juice Pigs. Why do you want to know? Well, just tell the listeners well, who might not I know about Well, when I started off, I went to acting college. I went to University of Windsor, which is just north of Detroit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or south of Detroit. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's north of Detroit. And uh, it had a Bachelor of Fine Arts acting program. So I went there, and that's where I met the other two Juice Pigs, uh, uh, Phil Nickel and uh, Greg Neal. And we were in uh, – we went to school there. I uh, was kind of uh, – probated out i was given like after three years of my four-year course they were uh, saying you know what you're just not cut out for this you're not uh <laughs> this isn't you 
I was a bad, not well, not, not a bad student, but a negligent student. I mean, I, I didn't really like keeping journals, and you know, they always have these. <laughs> I, I always think that acting school, especially, is more about teaching really bad actors how to get mediocre. I mean, I don't think <laughs> school you can go to learn great things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's a it's a way of teaching you a process, right? So I was like, oh, this is such a boring process. Can we do leaps of the imagination rather than plods, plods, plods? <laughs> and it was always kind of a pain. And uh, I had one kind of uh, produ- uh, professor that I butted heads with all the time, and she was big into the um, Uta Hagen method, and she mm. would say, you have to come in and make yourself a sandwich while I watch you, and I will. You know, it has to be spontaneous yet studied. And, uh, and that, that's just not my <laughs> thing, you know. And it's all valuable, certainly, but and I just didn't really enjoy it. So... Uh, we entered an animated uh, anime, not an anime. We entered an anime situation <laughs> where it was a giant man with hundreds of tentacles raping women, and I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> but uh, so, what was that? Oh yeah, then we entered a contest for uh, comedy, comedy uh, cabaret contest, and so the three of us got together. I said, well, we could win some shoes or something, and you know, there were shoes on for as one of the prizes, and, and a, uh, a Walkman. And uh, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> so that was 1987. I think it was the 16th of March. And and uh, so we went and did that, and, and we uh, won. And uh, Do you still have the shoes? I don't. They were, I think, Nikes. I think they were Nike trainers. Back when they were, like, first going into cross-training, you know, mm. before that was just running shoes. And these were, like, pods almost. <laughs> and that was good. And we got an Akai Walkman by, by Akai, which I think was a uh, <laughs> Korean company. And it was broken within a month. Um, and what else did we get? Oh, we got a little bit of food, and but we really think we'd get some money, uh, but that wasn't the case. What, 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 what sort of food? Like perishables? Well, I thought we'd get a meal out of it, at least uh, some pie chicken filling, wings you know. or pie filling or um, pumpkin pie in the can. You know that stuff that you scoop into the thing when you're too lazy to make it. I don't think anybody. I have known that no one who's made pumpkin pie out of real pumpkins. Have you ever, uh, your grandma I, or somebody I've only ever go like bought pumpkin pie? I pulverize these pumpkins and bake <laughs> them and boil them. I don't think anybody does that. But uh, good luck. So you know, it bothers to get off subject for a second. Mm-hmm. It, it bothers me that I can't go to a grocery store and buy pumpkin pie eleven months out of the year. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a fine pie. It's I don't understand why it has to be tied pie, to that. It, it's it? a very good pie. It's a savory sweet pie. And, you know, people, cheesecake is a weird thing, like, for the same reason. My mother used to make savory cheesecakes, like, with mm. uh, sage or, uh, mm. you know, I can't remember what other things, but just, like, yummy. But they were, it was like, <laughs> it's cheesecake. But, you know, it's funny to take cheese and make it sweet. I find that very weird. But, you know, she would try everything. But pumpkin pie is like that. It's like a, it's like a melon. It's like a, <laughs> like a, what, not a melon. It's not a melon. It's a... It's a, it's a gourd. It's a gourd. Yeah, it's like that. It's a squash. Maybe mm-hmm. a squash pie. Mm. That doesn't sound great, but it is, right? So uh, that's fun. So, uh, yeah, so we did that, and we, we went on, and just uh, that was in the summertime. We When the summertime came along, and they were putting me on probation in every class I was in, and the fourth year, I was going to be taking all my third-year classes, uh, and they were keeping me back in a lot of ways, and I, and I was like being like, am I failing Like, am I being put into grade two when all my friends are going to grade three? And uh, I thought, well, you know, I don't really need that because I was doing comedy shows and we were actually getting paid. And so we started touring after that. And then we went all over the world and we did the Edinburgh Festival. We were nominated for a lot of awards and we did uh, uh, Mad TV here. And 
Um, then uh, we toured for about 10 years and uh, did a lot of shows, did a lot of colleges and that sort of thing. And, you know, just got tired. I just mm. got kind of tired of um, negotiating the material we would do. And um, it was a trio. It's like it's like a duo, but with more trouble. You know, <laughs> because there's two against one all the time, and one mm. always feels like, oh, I'm the worst person in the world. And so I, I just didn't want to experience that anymore. So I started doing my own shows, and uh, I got a deal with CBS here in Hollywood after I did my first solo show in Canada, and, and it was called Wood, Cheese, and Children. And mm. uh, then I started, uh, I came down here and started trying to pursue that for a while. Then I went up to Toronto and did uh, The Producers, yeah. the Mel Brooks uh, musical. I played Max. And then uh, I came back down here. Uh, I did The Last Comic Standing, which was humiliating. Uh, You're very funny on it. Well, though, like, you I, know what? what here's saw. the thing. I think people who really, you know, you're trying to be funny on a show. Like, there was a moment on the show where, where the first thing we had to do was to go into a boxing ring. I don't know if you watched this series. <laughs> I had heard of that. There was yes. a boxing ring, and we all go in, and we had to do, like, your mama jokes, right? The first round was your mama jokes. <laughs> and I was up against uh, Esther Koo, and I beat her. And then uh, I won't say any more. But uh, that's, that's something that bothers me about that show. It's, it seems to me that being funny is hard enough on its own. Where in the yeah. last time it's like, we'll try and be funny now. It's a, it's a funny thing. Like, I'll tell you, being on the inside of it, it was more of a reality show mm-hmm. than right. a stand-up comedy contest and a popularity contest. And you're trying to, it, you're trying to reach the same people, the comedy equivalent of the people who watch American Idol, who aren't really discerning, mm-hmm. I, I don't think. They... Okay, so I'm in there in the second round of um, the the boxing ring thing, and it says that you have to do you're so hack jokes, and I felt like saying you're so hack, you're on last comic standing, <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been like detrimental to my survival on the show. <laughs> but things like that, and I, you know, and I just felt like I went the year before and auditioned, and uh, because my agents thought well, people would see you, and I, that's one thing I've never had a. I had I've never had a huge following here in America because I, I don't tour like I haven't done clubs mm. and clubs and clubs and mm. you know a lot of my touring is uh, overseas and stuff so well, we we have we have listeners all over the world well oh. this is why I'm here <laughs> yeah. uh, but how long did you play Max Bialystok? Uh I was there for a year doing the show hmm. and at that time it was the longest time it run longest run outside of uh, New York it's a strange show I mean mm-hmm. it's not your typical stand up uh, not your typical um, musical mm-hmm. and uh, people uh, react to it either strongly one way or the other like it's a beautiful musical it's huge mm-hmm. it's got tons of great music in it but it's also like Nazis are dancing around and p- some people just can't get their heads around that you know and it's weird like, New York it's huge there that people love it mm-hmm. but um, it's a very specific audience that likes it and it you know, it's not like Mamma Mia, where you go mm-hmm. and sing, you go ten times and bring everybody you know at the office and dance on the chairs and sing along. It's not that kind of musical. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. it was really interesting, amazing show, and we got to meet Mel Brooks, and that was really fun. And, and uh, you know, that, that's an amazing thing to have done, just to be part of his uh, world was really quite good. So hmm. I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's, I'm I'm fa- I'm just uh, fascinated by the notion that, and that I I, I apologize if this uh, sounds uh, like I'm adopting a superiority kind of attitude, mm-hmm. but like I'm fascinated by anybody who's like legitimately upset or uh, they find the idea of the Nazis and in the producers like disconcerting. Like the whole idea of the show 
is that they're banking on people finding this disconcerting. Yeah. So if you're sitting and watching them say that, then you know that, oh, well, I probably shouldn't find this. Uh, I shouldn't be concerned by this because the characters in the show are counting on other other dopes. You know, <laughs> it, it's it seems kind of weird. Well, you know, people, this is the thing I've learned is people are really literal minded. And like for the most part, then the public who, you know, they, they just like they see things and they interpret it immediately as a comic. You, you run into this all the time. You know, people you do comedy and people say you think that. Like, you're obviously being facetious about mm-hmm. something. Like, at the Juice Pigs, we would sing a song called Pandas Must Die. And it was kind of a little <laughs> ska song about killing all the pandas in the world. And people would be furious. And you go like, well, obviously we don't want the pandas to die. Like, why do I have to explain every piece of comedy I do to stupid people who are not going to like it anyway? Like, if I have to explain this to you, you're not one of the people who are going to enjoy this. And, you know, we do things, I do PSAs where I would say, Hi, I'm. Uh, many of you remember me as Gary. Uh, hi, I'm Gary Coleman. Many of you remember me from <laughs> um, uh, Different Strokes. And uh, I was born without a torso. And millions of children have no torsos, and they need your help <laughs> because they're carrying their limbs around in a bag, and they have nowhere to stick them on. So please help us. So we get uh, complaints like, "How can you make fun of those kids? Those poor kids." And I'm like, "There are no people without torsos in the world. There are none. Not a single child." It's the notion that you're making fun of. Uh, people uh, in a, in a, who are in a dire situation, but that's what's funny to me. I mean, uh, you can, you can't ever win those people over, you know. <laughs> so these are people who would vote for like uh, Sarah Palin and think uh, <laughs> she was the right on mom. And uh, I don't know. Okay, I, uh, I, I along similar lines, I, I know somebody who's actually he's a he's a he's a good guy. He's a, an animator, and uh, oh, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying this joke. Yeah, I will anyway. Um, and it's it's not a joke. It actually happened where he and I were talking about Citizen Kane. We were talking about Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. And I love Orson Welles. And he 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 respects Orson Welles, you know. Um, but he said that, like, he's like, you know, those shots in Citizen Kane, they're just like, you know, they're too long, you know. And I was like, I was like okay, well, I've heard that a- attitude before, you know. But then he, he goes on to say, it's like, they're too long, you know. I mean, just like, it's like we get it, you know. They're long enough that they, they, uh, you know, we get the message that those shots are trying to convey. They don't need to be as long as they are. And I, and it kind of broke my brain because I was just like, he, yeah, I mean, you get it, yes, but that's a choice he's making to have them be that long. Like, I didn't know. Well, you I get know it because he's done it that way, right? right? Yeah. If he didn't do it that way, you wouldn't have got it. Right. So that's why he did it. So he gets it. It sounds like your friend wants to watch movies like it's a PowerPoint presentation, and he'd be like, "Got this scene next." It was just it's all it was all very practical. The image is achieved. Move on. Thank you. It's uh, and I, you just, know, he's a nice guy, but it, I was just like, I, I feel like I can argue about almost anything related to movies, but like he took it to such a strange, such a degree. basic level, like broke it down literally. It's like. Yeah, I guess well, if you is, get it, maybe it doesn't need to well, be, be that long. Well, this is the whole problem with, you know, trying to say when, when someone says, uh, I believe in intelligent design. Really? Okay, well, great. You just do, don't you? Nothing I say, <laughs> not the giant piles of evidence we have for evolution and uh, molecular paleontology and all forms of, uh, you know, evidence, what we call evidence that <laughs> is provable. You will not just not accept that. So there's people like that you just can't get through to, and you never will. So I try to avoid them. 
<laughs> yeah, or, I, I, I or was annoy t- them, uh, or whatever is right. working at the time. I was talking with someone I work with about. Did you ever go to Snopes dot com? No, it's a. Uh, I love that website. It's it. What they do is they sort of research urban legends, or urban myths, or like email chain rumor things, and tell you whether or not they're true. And there's one I don't know if you've forgotten it. It says that uh, if you're um, if you're driving around late at night in the city and you see someone without their headlights on, and you flick don't your... flash the lights because that's it's a gang initiation, oh. and uh, <laughs> and they will follow you and kill you. That, oh, that's <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, and and you know Snopes was like researched it and said there's never been a case of this sort of thing happening in any major American city. They'd call police departments and ask. And but who, if you were killed, <laughs> who would yeah. you tell that you flicked your lights at them? <laughs> All right. Well, now you've broken my See, brain. See, well, that, that's my, <laughs> you know, it's hard to say everyone who did that would have been dead, right? Assuming, you're assuming a pretty high success rate amongst I gangsters. Guess, among gang <laughs> killers. But I was tell, I was trying to tell, I was like, no, nah, she was telling me about it, and I was like, no, nah, I looked it up on Snopes. It, it didn't really happen, and she was like, no, because I heard from a friend of a friend's <laughs> grandma that exactly. it happened. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, you heard it from your source, I heard it from mine. Equal. Yeah, yeah. exactly the same. Well, it's just you can't, uh, sometimes there's no getting through to people, and you just can't waste your life doing that. <laughs> or, or just build on it. I've discovered that through uh, trying to, uh, without going into detail, I had found, uh, I was Googling our podcast, as I tend to do, and I found a, a, a message board that hates us. They hate us so much. and But, like, <laughs> which is invigorating for us because, like, oh, we're getting successful. People are hating us now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the uh, but the way in which they hated us, I was just like, first off, it was kind of amusing. But at the same time, like they were saying things that weren't true, and it's just like, you know what? I will I will create a profile so I can post on this <laughs> message board just at, at the very. I, I'm fine with you hating me, but get get your facts get straight. Your facts straight yeah. um, but then I was just like, you know, I think that's way too much time spent. Yeah, that on might. Dummies. But come on, we are a couple of smug tossers. There's no question about it. <laughs> that's what um, they called us. Yeah, they called us smug they tossers. They sound, sound British to me. Uh, I think that assuming, one might yeah. have been because yeah. he also talked about how we represent uh, what's wrong with America. Well, it's interesting. Hey, wait. <laughs> I think it wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's like when I was on Last Comic Standing, you know, don't go and look on the webs at what people are saying because mm-hmm. most of them are extremely bitter, unhappy people <laughs> who think they're funny. This is the thing about uh, comedy is, like, everyone thinks they're funny, everyone mm-hmm. in the world. Everyone thinks they can f- argue they can act and they're funny. So they look at it and they go, why is Brad Pickett $20 million to that movie? Because he's watchable and you are not. <laughs> <laughs> You are not watchable. You're someone else that we don't want to watch. That's why you watch things. <laughs> or comedy. I like that we're really breaking down the, the well, idea of art. Like, well, no. that is as long as the well, guy art, wants it yeah, to be. There's, there's, okay, I don't know if we can swear. Yes, oh, there's yeah, uh, shit art, and then there's good art. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell the difference often. But mm-hmm. once you're initiated into a form of art, you can kind of start figuring out who's shit and who's actually valuable. You know, uh, so it's like uh, it's Damien Hirst who does the uh, chop animals in half and then put them in a tank. He's in Britain. Mm-hmm. And I oh. think that's really fascinating <laughs> that someone would do that. Almost shit, <laughs> but kind of there's more going on than just I cut an animal in half. Like, I, I think it's a comment. 
but and we're like Picasso. You go and you, you there's an entire museum full of Picasso, and you go, well, yeah, he's pretty good, I think. If you have a whole museum <laughs> of his stuff, that's pretty good. But you guy with the uh, gluing newspaper, here's the the, the newest thing is like uh, my painting is me sticking words with paint on something. Okay, that's not really painting anymore. That's words. <laughs> so if you need to put what your painting is in words on your painting, I think it's probably pretty shit painting. <laughs> that's just me. Well, I like uh, the idea that the guy who cuts the animals in half, like, he, he's artistically fascinating because the art project is no longer what he's doing, but that he is doing it. Like, yeah. the, who he is. He is now the subject of his art, I think. Well, that's pretty great. I went to see, I don't know why we're talking about art, but I went to see the Serpentine Gallery in London and... Tilda Swinton, the mm-hmm. strangely uh, elfin, weird, uh, <laughs> yeah. androgyne. She wanted part of the... It was all great objects. It was just objects from mm-hmm. history. And one was uh, a pair of um, garters mm-hmm. worn by Queen Victoria, who mm-hmm. you'd think was like, oh, th- this thing is great. It makes you think about, yeah, this button-down kind of black lace, mourning, tiny, dumpy creature mm-hmm. wore these hot <laughs> little things. <laughs> Uh, stuff like that, and there was a cigar that uh, Winston Churchill was smoking hmm. when uh, he heard that uh, the Nazis had offered their surrender, and hmm. it fell on his lap, and then he was like, And so they got all these little things, and one of them was Tilda Swinton sitting, l- sleeping in a plastic box. You could stand there and look at her sleeping, and you think, this is the stupidest thing ever, <laughs> but that's fascinating <laughs> like that that's an amazing exhibit do you think she was really sleeping uh i don't know how she could yeah. sleep <laughs> first of all she's in a plastic box she's not she's the kind actress. of woman i think who could sleep in a plastic absolutely box. she commits she's tough she's uh i love her but anyway uh what am i talking about i don't know well now that we're comedy, talking about movies like, they're getting up there uh last comic standing first of all i auditioned once and they booted me off right Hmm. And I, after, like, this was in Los Angeles, and I was like, this is this is the worst experience of my life. <laughs> Why would I ever get up and have dummies tell me I'm not funny? <laughs> like, like these, these, I'm just like, You what? got the internet for that. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need that. I have parents. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, then, you know, the next year was in Toronto, the heat, and I was like, I'm not going. And they said, well, you really should come. We'd really love you to come. I said, Why? So I just don't, like, that's... My dream is not to be put in front of people and told that I'm not very good. Mm-hmm. So I got on it and I went through and I, with the whole idea that, you know, I'm just not – whatever happens, I, you, you have to realize that you're okay. And I've had a career of 20 years. and But that, of course, you know, we look at the blogs and people are like, he shouldn't be on that show. He's been around forever. It's like, so – what do you want to watch? Terrible <laughs> comics <laughs> who just started? That's the whole thing. Like when I was getting what I was getting at the beginning was, you ca- it's a reality show because you can't just watch comics do comedy. Then it's like uh, evening at the Improv, yeah. and and they they were trying to do that in seasons before that where it was just every week people had to show their comedy and they ran out of material and people had to start yeah. writing for them and it was mm-hmm. like because most of the comics don't have four hours of material right. yeah like i kind of have about two you know but and that's like and then i start doing weird <laughs> you know <laughs> experimental things with the noise and tubes that i swing and they whistle so uh you know so anyway I don't what know sort what of effect about. what sort of effect did last comic standing have on on you mm, well did you uh, get paid more for club dates no that, i don't or? do club dates oh, so that right. didn't really help me much i came in number six so uh, it was a strange experience. Um, 
I think more people like I, I people on the street stop me hmm. and say, "Hey, you were on the thing, and I really liked you." Well, he didn't vote for me though. Weird. <laughs> um, I got a lot more uh, like MySpace friends and uh, <laughs> Facebook friends, um, but that is a worthless commodity, really. <laughs> um, but it's nice. It's nice that people talk to you. I met some nice people, uh, and I, I think it helped a little bit, and it gave me some insight onto what people think is funny and what they don't think is funny. But also, kind of put me in a place where I had to think about what I do, and uh, what about it is funny. You know, my my, my problem as a as a performer is, I I don't do just one thing, right? I really don't just do stand up comedy. Like mm -hmm. I do it, but I don't think of myself as a stand up. I think of myself as a kind of a cabaret performer, and I do yeah. music, and I do characters and i do all kinds of stuff and to ask me to do eight minutes or like in that show it was a minute and a half mm -hmm. or two minutes or you'd have and i'd be like well that's a song for me or a third of a song or like my stuff is rambly i count on uh i i'm not like what's your name who are you where do you come from like but i i do kind of feed off the audience and find what they like and then mm -hmm. move with it so it, it, that's short little things it's hard for me but and i write books and you know i do all kinds of different things and i do musicals so i'm not part of any one group and being on that show was like in a way of validation is me at being a stand-up which was nice mm -hmm. but uh that i was part of that coterie was mm -hmm. nice but uh it kind of just showed me what i'm not which is uh kind of easily digestible yeah comedy for like i don't talk about beer pong i don't <laughs> talk about you know drinking or uh w working out's hard you know i just don't do that stuff I, my stuff's about you know it's weird uh, did you know the planet saturn is farming your mind you know people don't get into that <laughs> right off the top anyway so uh so that taught me what you know what i'm what i really should be doing and playing to my strengths and that sort of thing it helped me a bit hmm it's well, really, it's really that that show is. Uh, I remember the very first season. I was really, I was really into it and really enjoyed it. And the, but then uh, my favorite comics never won. And of so it's just like, don't. well, okay, well. That's well, comedy that. is a big like what what it works out is. Here's the, the moment where I have my epiphany. Mm -hmm. And I was watching the show, and I watched when we went into the Playboy Mansion, right? And I'd written a story about they gave us uh, all titles. We had to do a bedtime story for the three playmates. <laughs> So I'm sitting there, and I'm writing this story, and I think I'd write a funny one, and it's weird, and just my, my kind of funny. And I go in to say it to them, and these girls immediately were not into me. Mm -hmm. like, And I figured it out about halfway through. These girls are really dumb. <laughs> they're really dumb. Like, like, they're not smart girls. So, But this was the, 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 the contest, this part of the contest one of us would be chosen by these three women as the one who gets through to the finals, who gets a bye. In, so the most important uh, moment in the competition up to that point, and probably that anybody who gets into that is doing the tour and is doing everything, is in the top five. These three really dumb women are going to tell you who's going to do it. So I'm watching that, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Okay, so I watch this, and they're like Jeff Dye comes in, and they go like, "Oh, I like it. like the comments after we leave the room." He was weird. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that was my comment for me. So then <laughs> Jeff Dye comes in, and he's like, mm, "I like him. He's a tall drink of water. I think he's really cute." 
This is what's being judged. <laughs> Not your story. It's just how three dumb girls, how cute three dumb girls think you are. And uh, then, uh, oh, I forget. One of the black guys comes in. They go, they go oh, I love chocolate. I love hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, wow. This is a really stupid show at this point. <laughs> Although and I'd then, say it's probably the closest you get to actual show business where th- oh. like, it's not even really the audience that judges. It's like just three dumb people who maybe shouldn't be where they are, and they make the decision. Yeah, well, that's what happens. It's kind of like a television network's in microcosm. <laughs> and uh, so it, that was really, really weird. And uh, so I, I'm just like, yeah, I really... They used me in all a lo- a capacity as kind of like the narrator of the whole show. Like they would hmm. interview me, and I because everyone else when they turned the camera on them would be just like, "I'm going to win. I'm winning this show. I'm the best comic. I am great." Okay, could you tell us what happened to you just now? And that com- I think I did the best. I won the game. Okay, all right. So it was just like one of those. So I I, I ended up doing a lot of narrating for them, but the kind of <laughs> You know, I'm just sitting there going, wow, this is uh, interesting. And uh, I get voted off. And uh, Peter, Peter, uh, I forget his name now, Peter, who who's the producer of the show, he comes and talks like this. And he's, he used to produce, um, he used to produce uh, 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 Saved by the Bell. He's made <laughs> over a thousand hours of television. <laughs> and uh, as, you know, you were very good, but America voted. America voted. I said, well, they voted for George W. Bush twice. <laughs> so that's no criteria for good or bad. All right. So it was kind of, it was funny. But uh, I, uh, yeah, anyway, and I suppose I shouldn't, I don't want to sound bitter because I really en- enjoyed the experience, met a lot of nice people, and they were really great to me. Uh, but it, it was a strange, you know, it was, it was really strange. And uh, so many good comics didn't get picked, like what you were saying, like your best mm-hmm. comics never, your favorite comics never yeah. win. But so many great comics passed over to bring in people who were kind of terrible mm-hmm. just because they want to cast a show yeah. rather than show who's the best comic, you know. Yeah. Not too many white guys. Let's get <laughs> a girl <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like anything. But uh, I just uh, it, it's kind of not you, you 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 were working with uh, people and you would just go, wow, you're really terrible, aren't you? And I'm in the show. So that make does that make me terrible, too? <laughs> oh, that sounds it makes bad. you more terrible. Than I think if it, you had not been on. I guess so. <laughs> so. It, would have, it does <laughs> any any kind of achievement that you feel getting to there is kind of wiped out when you look around and go, oh, OK, I get it. Hmm. All right. Well, let's, yeah, let's. I'm uh, sorry. I'm we, sorry. Uh, I got uh, <laughs> off topic. There. No, it's fine. it was it was a fine. lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. But uh, you, now, it, in in your in your Comedy Central presents, you have you have some uh, some stuff about James Bond. I love the James Bond franchise. So we thought, you know, let's, let's get into it here. We thought we'd talk about spy movies. I love spy movies. You know, I, I can't say that I love all spy movies. I love a thriller. I love a good thriller. Mm. People know, like thrillers now are getting stupid though. I mean, Eagle Eye, yeah. stuff like that. That's kind of taken the place of great spy movies mm-hmm. like now because it's never about people being evil it's like machines are stealing <laughs> our souls like i was watching oh it does not stand up well enemy of the state you ever mm. say oh terrible but those are kind of taking over for the thriller genre well the now, one as the a, one as a 
as a as a Tony Scott apologist, I actually kind of liken to me in the state. And I feel like the it's one dumb. thing that it does have <laughs> is it's got it has Gene Hackman. Yeah, and it's like and I feel like what a waste. It's, it's weird if you look at like that and like the conversation where both with Gene Hackman, both playing kind of a reclusive yeah. character who bugs people and stuff like that. Not bugs like annoys. <laughs> <laughs> although I'd want to see that movie. Gene Hackman going around annoying people. people. But um, and so. Uh, it's like, oh, I wonder if they cast him as kind of a like a throwback, you know, for people like, hey, that's. It's I, like I a just conversation. don't think people don't know think anything. <laughs> I don't think people would understand that the kind of audience that would go to see Enemy of the State wouldn't even know who Gene Hackman is. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're just going to watch uh, a Will Smith. But uh, I mean, the James Bond franchise is kind of the beginning. It's not really the beginning of Spy, but it's the beginning of you know, when you look back at. Uh, the first movie, Dr. No, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and so beautifully shot and so elegant. And he is so violent for the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost it became a parody in the 70s and then it became th- they had to reinvent it and they did. But the problem was all these action movies came out and stole the thunder of James mm-hmm. Bond. Mm-hmm. Like he just had to do more and more ridiculous stuff and be in more and more ridiculous places. And and when you're compared to like. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where he just blew up everything in the world. <laughs> you know, you, it's not, it, it kind of took, James Bond created that genre and then it was kind of usurped by just all action. And it's great to see the new ones, the Casino Royale and um, Quantum of Solace. Quantum, Quantum of Solace. I never saw that one. Well, it's great. I love Casino Royale. Casino Royale is good, but there's one, I think, major flaw. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand why. I love watching it. I think mm-hmm. it was brilliant, and I think Daniel Craig is great. Yeah. But watching, um, they're playing, they give him money <laughs> so that he can go play poker and get it back from him. Why Why do they do that? Let's just arrest him. <laughs> I don't really understand that plot point. But um, it's elegant. It's beautiful. And it's great. I mean, the, it's the original James Bond novel was Casino mm-hmm. Royale. And uh, people forget, like, James Bond started in, like, the late 50s. And mm-hmm. it was a product of Ian Fleming, who was a spy himself, worked mm-hmm. in the intelligence agency in uh, during the war. But it's great. And he, the one thing that just I thought was really funny is mm-hmm. you're playing t- cards, right? And <laughs> Le Chiffre. The guy, <laughs> he uh, his tell is when he starts bleeding from the eye. That's a pretty obvious tell. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, they, uh, like are you the bluffing? <laughs> oh, the, you're crying blood. Okay, I think he's bluffing. <laughs> All in. <laughs> you know, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But the, it was fun. But that first was... scene when they reinvent the anyway. I'm sorry. My my tell in poker is I I do an ape impression and just so get up on the chair. Crying. I start <laughs> crying and then shoot myself. I shout out the cards I have. It's very. Oh, it's, I wish I didn't do that. It's just so unbelievable. But you know, when you saw I, to a certain extent, uh, Pierce Brosnan with the uh, mm-hmm. Golden Eye, he he really brought the John like brought the James Bond thing back to life. Mm-hmm. And but I I think there's just such a grittiness. I think that the James Bond is not a People rely on the charm so much. I, I think he's a violent, violent, sociopathic kind of guy mm-hmm. who struggles yeah. with that. Like he struggles with being a murderer mm-hmm. all the time, and that's what Daniel Craig brings to it. I think right. there's that conflicted, you know, want, was, I want to be good guy, but I'm going to cut your face open. You know, <laughs> he can't. He deals with that, and it's pretty uh, on the surface. I think it's pretty amazing. He's like a real character all of a yeah. sudden. Like, I mean, I, I I like Sean Connery and I like Pierce Brosnan. Um, I kind of like them all actually, but like, I really like Daniel Craig. And it's not 
completely about him. It's also about the way the director chose to take the character. But like, um, I remember watching it. I watched that much in the same way that I watched Batman Begins, where I'm like, I actually care about Batman this time, and I'm not yeah. just in it for the villain. Well, it's great when somebody gets a hold of it and they reset the, mm-hmm. the franchise, and I think they really reset it. Like, just like they did with Star Trek, the last Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. They just went, oh, these are such great characters. They're so old now. <laughs> they, they can't do any more movies, and we've kind of mined everything. Let's just hit the reset button, and there's a whole new world to go through with these same characters again, yeah. and, and it's great. But, you know, and Daniel Craig, just when you see the first scene in that new the fr- in Casino Royale, He's running after that guy, yeah. and they're jumping like through, just leaping. And he at one point he just runs right through a wall. Yeah, and it's just like wow, this is like a, this is something we've never seen, and it's great. And uh, I I just love that. I, I I love the new the thing. I know I love the new James Bond uh, thing. A lot of people have said that the 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 James Bond sort of the reset, like you said, was uh, sort of in response to the Bourne movies. How do you well, yeah, for sure. I mean, Born. I think the, that was that first Born film is classic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. tremendous, and when you how close in they were, but like there's that great scene where uh, Clive Owen in here is it Clive Owen? No, it's it's not it's Clive Owen. It's another guy, and he comes to his apartment. He gets to France, and he's oh in Paris, yeah, and yeah. He gets into his apartment. It's like, oh, do I live here? And then this guy comes in, and it's just like fist mania. And he, like he, sho- he shoves the pen into the guy's knuckle. Oh, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> unbelievable. And it, it was something I love when you see something you've never seen before. But there's only so much uh, way, so many ways of doing violence mm. on each other that well, is I, I classy to look at. In the Bourne movies, in each like successive movie, they tr- they seem to find like a tighter space to like. In, in the first one, it's in that office, <laughs> and then he fights himself in a <laughs> spacesuit. Uh, in, so. in the second one, he's in the kitchen. He's fighting the guy with a rolled up magazine. Yeah. yeah, which is actually they actually managed to make that really cool. Yeah, <laughs> and then in the third one, he's in that tiny little bathroom in Morocco, oh, yeah. fighting at the at the end, and it's just like you can barely even tell what's going on. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, that I just I thought. That was great. Like I really, I love the Bourne movies too. But and they're so. But there has to be a. When all of these things, when it when it gets interesting is when you have a character you're involved with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Jason Bourne. He's like when you first see him, you're like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? I don't understand. Like and and then you're exposed. You're exposed to this. But I think the saddest thing they did was kill off Franca. Yeah, uh, Franca Potente. Oh my God, she was the greatest. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she kind of grounded that whole story yeah and then they bring in what's her name uh you know who i mean julia 10 styles. things i hate about you yeah julia, julia styles. styles well she was in the first one too yeah in my very minor way yeah. but i really loved uh is it chris cooper yeah yeah, yeah he was a great and i like david strathairn as well they really they they did a good job of like establishing like that the enemies are not you know they're not uh blofeld or anything like that they're just like these government guys who feel like they're doing the right thing you know and uh, and Ang- what's this guy's name? Who was in the first movie? He was great, Scottish actor. Brian Cox. Brian Cox. Yeah, he's fantastic. And Joan Allen, actually, now that I think about it, Joan Allen was great one, too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's all about good characters. Like I like all the great spy movies. I I loved Spy Who Came In From The Cold. I love that one. Which is uh, Richard Burton is tremendous in that. But British spy culture and spy world is mm-hmm. all about like there's no like James Bond is an aberration in that world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about bureaucrats right. and battling with paper and battling like in um it's a ma- meeting of minds and finding the mole in um uh 
Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and mm-hmm. Smiley's People and just just such dark, grim. It's a grim world and a grim life that destroys everything about you that's human. And you love watching that. I, I love watching Alec Guinness mm-hmm. as Smiley, just his wife, his beautiful wife, and he loses her to the the enemy. Like mm-hmm. and he's like, how did I do this? How how you know? It's it's just such a puzzling world because you can trust nobody and. And everyone is out for everybody's job, and you know, it, and they don't get paid. That's what I love about. <laughs> the, they're not doing it because they make a lot of money. They live in like miserable little flats, and they, and that kind of spy movie I really I love. And but I also love like, the, uh, the the answers to James Bond that America came up with, like mm-hmm. uh, Dean Martin as Matt Helm with all the babes <laughs> and the like. It's the American version, you know, and and the great. Uh, uh, Flint movies yeah. with uh, James Coburn, mm. Man, a Man Called Flint, and just really great. All of these kind of uh, super spies, you know. Yeah. Where spying, it's like people don't want, like spying is like one of the most grim, miserable lives you can have, and a lot of it is just sitting, you know. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of it's analyzing data, you know, and and. these guys just don't exist you know you couldn't be James Bond everybody would go oh yeah that's James Bond you know like if you were like going into Russia and you're like oh James Bond (laughs) everybody this guy is on all our files every policeman knows what he looks like it's James Bond. Arrest him, please. When well, I, not when all I was, spies can be Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies. Oh, know? yeah. The way he, the very way he understated. This is the thing. Is that all these guys are like, I, th- I buy Daniel Craig because yeah, he's, he's, st- he's stark looking, but mm-hmm. he's not uh, He's not like... You're like Pierce Brosnan is like a, a fashion model, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> it's bizarre. And Roger Moore is ridiculous, too. But, <laughs> but I, I really love... Well, the first movie I ever saw, a James Bond movie, was Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought he was great in that. And uh, Jane Seymour is absolutely stunning in it. And mm-hmm. Yafit Koto as Mr. Big. Does he play two characters in yeah, that? Yeah, Mr. Big right. and yeah. the uh, this tiny island. I forget what it's called. It's a Car- mm-hmm. Caribbean island, and he is the... Uh, Prime Minister or President right, of that right. island, and so he is a drug dealer and pimp, but also a sophisticated. And there's no reason for, for him that. to play both those characters. No, it's just fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> but I love that. I mean, yeah, I love that about. And it's great as Ian Fleming did it. The other movie he wrote mm-hmm. uh, was uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is all <laughs> the kind of crazy fun spy gadgets mm-hmm. you know it's gadgetry yeah. and and uh, uh, uh vulgaria and all of that sort of thing and it's just uh it's beautiful like it, it, it is such an extension of his bond mind mm-hmm. you know and it's so frightening you know <laughs> and creepy and weird and i i just think it's brilliant like somebody was saying like it's like ian we gotta everyone's just thinking you as the james bond guy like let's let's move you away from me he's like all right but I'm bringing the gadgets with me. Yeah, you got it. You can't take everything. Car is flying. <laughs> yeah, but there's a new guy writing. I forget what his name is, but this is a new James Bond book out. But I love the original Bond books, and uh, they're all such. There's this thing. What I like about these new movies is they're going back to small time. Like there's a larger conspiracy, but mm. it's small. It's not like I'm turning all the world's plants into rabbits. <laughs> no, it's nothing weird like that. It's just like okay. It's the little thing. There's money to follow. There's a drug mm-hmm. situation. There's 
you know, and that stuff I think is really you really want to follow the character in his development, his his life, and I think that's why I'm so excited about the new James Bond. Film. It does it does bring about to a deg- as much as it can some of the moral ambiguity of I I as you you mentioned it before I love the spy who came in from the cold I didn't expect I didn't know what to expect when I watched it, but it was great. Like it was just it brings up a completely other aspect of spies as purely an extension of their country regardless of however they feel like where there's this other you know richard burton is this spy and there's this other russian spy that he's just he's he's like his arch nemesis and all that and he absolutely hates him absolutely hates him they try and kill each other all the time and then all of a sudden russian spy decides he's going to help the u.s and so the u.s is like he's our friend now and she's like ah i can't stop hating him uh (laughs) you know I, i can't just turn this off and that's and that's one of the things that fascinates me is you say, like, they don't get paid. Their lives are fairly miserable. So why do they do it? You yeah. know, I mean, I guess maybe from a, like a sense of idealism early on. And then like as they, you know, after several years, they're just like, uh, you know what? I've I don't, know I don't even know why I do this. anymore. I don't even know who I am anymore. You, you know, that reminds me of a, a more recent movie that's not sort of a textbook spy movie mm-hmm. but uh but breach speaking of chris cooper oh, did yeah. you see that no i it's, didn't it was a good yeah it's, it's great a, it's, it's really fantastic i mean he yeah. plays he plays a, a cia cia isn't he or, uh i think he's cia yes uh guy it's a true story he who sold secrets to the russians mm-hmm. uh and um it, yeah it's, it definitely sort of speaks to that that sort of paperwork and the sort of idea of why am i doing this i'm so i'm so important to this country but why am i getting paid so little and and, yeah, and yeah. sort of the well it must be hard to do that and i do, uh, the other I, I know i don't know how well it went down but i love uh the good shepherd i thought that was a really good I movie see it. i i liked it quite a bit yeah. yeah i mean matt damon i think uh is amazing yeah. i really do like him and uh, there was another one just recently with uh, a guy who don't really get into that much but what's his name uh oh jeez martin Gangs of new york <laughs> oh um Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, it was in this one. Oh, where, uh, you know what I mean. Um, body of Body of Body of Lies. lies. I thought lies, it was really yeah. good. I didn't see it. Yeah, it was. It was. It's all about how. It, it's hard to describe. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to go into it in huge detail. But right. it's just about just how miserable and backbiting and like, you know, you use people. And uh, his his controller is uh, Russell Crowe, who's fantastic mm-hmm. in the movie. Just this fat, dumpy guy who sits on his cell phone all the time telling you what to do when you're over in Iraq and he's yeah. at home taking his kids to soccer practice and you're mm-hmm. going to get your hands cut off by uh, grazed you know militants mm-hmm. and it's just uh, this kind of divorce like the, it kind of points up you know how the, the government is divorced from the activities of its people uh, the, the, its minions and it actually another I, this is not at all a spy movie but there is a spy element to it and that's Syriana uh, George Clooney sure. is absolutely that. I mean, he's just um, where he gets – he actually still has some ideals after all these years, but his uh, – and he really wants to do the job as best he can and all that, but his superiors just won't let him do it. They're just like, stop sending us these memos about what we need to do. We know what we need to do. He's like, no, you don't. You're not even there. You know, uh, somebody yeah. has a bomb. And nobody really knows where it went. Like, maybe we should look into that. And it's like, nah, it's fine. No, it's fine for you because you're I'm I'm out there. I could be blown up by this bomb. You're fine. You know, yeah. and and uh, I thought it was it was I mean, 
it's not an unusual thing for me to say. It was an amazing performance. He won an Oscar now, for now, it. Now, you talked earlier about Gene Hackman being the same in Enemy of State is in, the, is in the conversation. Is George Clooney supposed to be the same guy from The Peacemaker in Syriana? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a great role? movie. The first movie by uh, DreamWorks. DreamWorks, Isn't yeah. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, that was a classic. And the other one, uh, the awful, awful, The Interpreter. Have you ever seen that? I never oh, saw with it Nicole with Kidman. So bad. Sydney Pollack film, right? That yeah. was not mm. good. I kind of wanted to see it because it looked... It looked like it's like, hey, there's a movie that's mildly intriguing and probably won't be anything more than that. Yeah, well, you know, what's more exciting than interpreters? <laughs> <laughs> Can you think? I don't know. It's superb. Well, that, that you know, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but I just watched on DVD uh, JCVD. Have you seen that? Oh, I really no. want to. I want it to, though. It is one of the most beautiful beautiful films <laughs> I've seen in a long time. There's a monologue in the middle of it of him just sitting there he kind of rises out of the action that's going on around him and he just goes this is my life this is what I'm doing this is what I wanted to do this is what I was like as a child I was I studied karate and then I went to I couldn't speak English but I went to Hollywood and I just tried to see stars and well it's just the most heartbreaking uh, moment like it's totally exposed he's amazing in it Hmm. and uh, I, I just thought it was great uh, really, really good. So, go see that, people of the universe. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say you were talking about you know <laughs> interpreters being boring. That reminds me of a movie that is one of my all-time favorite spy-ish movies, which is uh, Three Days of the Condor. Oh my god! Which is th- and that's well, about that's a, a guy who just all he does he is read in the wrong place books all day. Yeah. He's not a spy at all. He works for the CIA. Yeah. But his job is to read books and see if there's anything suspicious in them. Mm-hmm. That's and what it's. I've never seen it. That's it, what no, it's yeah, about. His yeah, it's just a big office, and he says it's a big office where everybody does the same thing. They look at books and they kind of look for hidden messages or blah blah or whatever. Yeah, and he's 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 like like he knows something about like the CIA's plans, and if there's anything that. Uh, seem that reminds him of those in these like cheap novels that he gives a, they buy at the airport. He has to flag them. That's his job is to read novels all so day. So he goes out for coffee and donuts for whatever mm-hmm. for everybody, and mm-hmm. he comes back and everybody's dead in the <laughs> office. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and he tries to remember his uh, his call name is uh-huh. Condor, and he hmm. and he calls somebody, and that person that happens to be the guy who ordered everybody killed. Right. So huh. now he just so come in and you know he's now he's just running scared. Trying to hide in Washington, basically, yeah. right? Trying to f- hide from the people who you know did this, and they're all—it's all—they're all in the CIA. It's awesome. It's a good movie. Robert Redford. That sounds yeah, great. And, and, that and sounds, I like that kind of thing where it takes uh, a real—it's—it takes what seems like a really like uh, fascinating location or uh, or occupation. Like I work for the CIA. What do you do? Well, I read books all day. <laughs> and, well, that's what uh, most of them do. Right. Right. And uh, and it takes that. And it takes that person who works within this kind of seemingly glamorous job, but has no training in it, and then it just says, "Yeah, you're now you are in this part of it." And it's like, "Oh well, I I I I guess to try to remember his name, his code (laughs) name, like uh, that sounds awesome to me." It's really good. I I had only ever heard about the movie in terms of the romantic aspect of it, like not the. Well, he kind of runs into Faye Dunaway Mm -hmm. and takes her hostage, Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Hmm. So these people are trying to kill me. She thinks he's crazy, and then she kind of get realizes that he's not, and blah. Hmm. Of course, well, <laughs> that's yeah. the way it works. I would like it. I would With like a romance where uh, they'd never believe each other ever. That would just be great if uh, she thinks he's crazy and continues to think he's crazy, and then they uh, part ways. I guess well, that's not a good arc, though. Well, well it's well, not not so engaging. 
<laughs> well, listen, we, we have to wrap up soon because I know you gotta. I've got to run to heaven. And but I wanted to mention. Uh, I had. I knew we were talking about spy stuff. I, I wanted to mention Three Days of the Condor, and I wanted to mention Get Smart, the TV Get show, because it's one of my favorite. Well, things of you all know, time. again, uh, uh, that's what's his name? Ah, uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah, I produced it. And it's that kind of humor, and and it was a staple growing up. I mean, it was the funniest show, and it, it really is great, and a lot of amazing people in it, uh, like the Love Boat Doctor, Doctor yeah. Bricker, I forget his name. He was the head of Chaos. It was his uh-huh. German accent. Everybody was always German, <laughs> and uh, uh, Barbara Feldon, and mm-hmm. uh, that ch- the Chief. Oh my God! But I mean, it was so they tried to do a few elements with that in the new movie, and I think. I actually really liked uh, Steve Carell, mm-hmm. but I just didn't think the movie knew what it was about. Yeah, when I heard was he on. was being cast in the role, I, I had high hopes. Yeah, I think when I think and he does a good job, but I don't think like at one point he just gets in the car that Maxwell Smart used to drive. Why? Are they, <laughs> is he related to him or something? <laughs> like, are they, is he his grandpa or something? I don't really understand. And drives it away and puts on the suit. And there's no reason for him to do it. Like, mm. I don't know. Did you see the movie? No, I didn't. Yeah, so it's just like, wh- why did he do that? <laughs> I, d- I don't know. Does it make any sense to you? But I thought she was great. I thought Anne Hathaway was really, yeah. that was a funny character. I really like um, Dwayne. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, I can't remember. His Johnson? last name? Dwayne Johnson. Johnson. It's hard yeah. to remember that name. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Uh, like, there were great moments in it. And there's some really funny people. But it's just one of those things where, it's like a, a, a elongated sketch. Like a lot yeah. of comedy now, comedy movies are just yeah. That would have been a good sketch. I don't, I don't think we need to see more of that. You know, <laughs> that that was enough of that. Yeah, I, I I couldn't. It was a franchise that I think could have been revived mm. and is interesting and funny. But I don't know. It's just it, like Land of the Lost. Do I need to see that? Yeah. G- Get Smart, know. the TV show, was was key to me because it was something that my mom loved. And so she like put me in front of it at a very young age. She was like, you should watch the show. It's very funny. And, of course, a young, it's a very, a a young boy. It's got a lot gets, of slapstick elements. And then, but as I grew and would continually revisit it, I would find smarter and smarter things about that show. It's, yeah. it's an amazing show. So I couldn't ever get behind the movie. I just felt like it it, it was too too close to my heart. Yeah. I watched the, the show, show. Up, until, uh, up until there was an episode where a plant ate a person. And uh, I stopped watching after that because it frightened me. <laughs> well, that's fair. I don't like flesh-eating plants. <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors terrified me as a child. <laughs> True. A Day of the Triffids. Have you ever seen that uh, like old British <laughs> oh, movie? <laughs> old British version, Day of the Triffids? <laughs> scary. First of all, what happens is every, this meteor shower falls and blinds everyone. And mm-hmm. then it makes plants grow. Everyone who sees the meteor shower gets blinded, mm-hmm. and then the plants start growing these weird little pods, and then they start moving and eating people, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Eating blind people. <laughs> oh, that's, for sure. That's really that's really low. It's hard, even for plants. <laughs> <laughs> next, next they're gonna be eating kids without torsos. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes, they are. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> that's a, a nice, a nice callback. That's yeah. a, I think that's good a good way place to, wrap to end it. it. So, um, well, thanks for being here. It's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, where can people find you? They can find me if they look hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I'm doing the Comedy Death Ray here in uh, Los Angeles uh, at the UCB mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And that's at 830. Uh, where else will you see me? I've got a new book coming out. I don't think you can get it here in the uh, in the uh, in America yet, but uh, it's um, called uh, The Prince of Neither Here Nor There. 
I write young adult novels. Right. Yeah. I've written three called about Hamish X, the other character. You can maybe get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And what else? Uh, I'm doing. Uh, hmm, I don't know. You, got, you have a you have a website. I know you have a Twitter. I do right? have a website, uh, SeanCullen.com. I do. I'm doing a tour called I'm a Human Man, mm-hmm. where I've been doing some shows in Canada, and I may bring it down here too. Uh, and uh, what else? So you can follow me on Twitter. Why not tweet me? I enjoy it. Well, what's, I, what's your handle there? Uh, it's Mr. Sean Cullen, M-R-S-E-A-N-C-U-L-L-E-N. Okay. So find me. I, I just tweet a lot just to, you know, I find it's a great way to do small, uh, weird jokes, <laughs> and it kind of suits my sense of humor, so that sort of thing. So come and follow me. It'll be fun. And, yeah, that'll be good. Okay. Well, right. uh, oh, you can get my, my, not, uh, my album on uh iTunes. That's right. I am a human man, and there's also Sean Cullen Live, which is a lot of the material from my, uh, what do you call Comedy it? Central Comedy Presents. Central Presents. And all this stuff on uh, on your album, it's, uh, here's the neat thing about you as a, as a singer, again, I'm going to get kind of sycophantic, but uh, not only is it amusing, it's also very uh, musically uh pleasing to the ear well like it's also I it's think like that's a dragon it. boy suede in that way where it's just like this is really good it's also very funny but it's also uh, i could listen to this just in life you know if i'm well, not looking to laugh i think that's a, a problem that a lot of musical comedy uh has is mm-hmm. just like people aren't really very good musically but they mm-hmm. think i have a funny idea for a song no i think it really has to be good to sell the this, this song yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it has to be good music uh, and then the joke is supported better by that so yeah i had a great producer named robbie roth who's a great writer and and producer we wrote the songs and for for i am human man and he's a great guy so that's i thank him for the for the good quality so we recommend it uh, on itunes it's uh, it's very good a lot of fun so okay well thanks for listening you can of course get us battleship com. our email addresses are david at battleship you guys are building Tyler. a pretension village aren't you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know we uh but we we got to have the battleship first in case anybody gets a little, you know. I understand. It's a little rowdy. Okay. Know. But uh, you're over at tw- uh, uh, Twitter. Yeah, I, I Twitter for the show at, at The Pretension. That's right. So, uh, so. Oh, and you can get me at Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. Right. So I think that covers. We have a MySpace page that I never do anything with. <laughs> I don't anyway. like MySpace that much. I like Facebook is better, but I just like tweet because I just, I tweet because it's one line I have to <laughs> keep up with. That's it. There's no, like, that's it. I'm wearing pants. Done. Today. It's, okay, all right. I like that. <laughs> status updates, way to go. <laughs> Even if your status is false, I update it. All right. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.